The following conversations were recorded in front of a live audience at the Thanks a Million Buck Hall of Fame Gala in Kansas City, hosted by Negro Leagues Baseball Museum President Bob Kendrick and author Joe Posnanski. They say timing is everything. And you know what? I'm one that absolutely adheres to that belief. Because like many of you who are listening to this podcast, we were so tremendously disappointed when Buck O'Neill didn't get into the National Baseball Hall of Fame in 2006. As a matter of fact, he missed by one single vote. And of course, later that year, my dear friend passed away at age 94, a month shy of his 95th birthday. So his long overdue induction into the National Baseball Hall of Fame this past July certainly was bitter, but also sweet. And bitter from the standpoint that we didn't get the opportunity to celebrate with him. We didn't get the high five. We didn't get the chest bump with our guy. But it goes back to what I was saying, timing. Timing is indeed of essence. And Buck O'Neill getting into the National Baseball Hall of Fame when he did comes at a time when his museum is on the verge of tremendous growth. And Buck O'Neill today, 16 years later, is as relevant as he was when he was still with us in a physical state. And it gives me goosebumps to think that it is his spirit that is now still leading the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. We got together here in Kansas City for a star-studded Thanks a Million Buck Hall of Fame gala celebration. And we gave folks an opportunity to come over to the Buck O'Neill Education and Research Center and, and get a glimpse of what the future of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum is all about. And so now, with no further ado, please join myself and my good friend Joe Posnanski for a conversation centered around Thanks a Million Buck. Well... Here we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we try not to keep y'all too long, but I've always said, and I say this again, Tony, about our game, if you give me something that I want to see, I don't mind sitting and watching. Yeah. 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 No, you give me something I want to see. I hopefully we'll give you guys something that you want to see. <laughs> are y'all still ready for Lakeside? Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm just checking. Congressman, you ready for Lakeside? All right, okay, all right, all right, we're good to go then. I'm ready. From another, it's good to see you. It's good, it's good to be back. You know, I always say that Joe is my brother from another mother. <laughs> uh, and we've known each other for so many years, and I really do feel like we are as close as brothers. And as I've said on many occasions, every time I have a bad idea, I vet it with <laughs> Joe. And in 2020, that bad idea turned into a viral campaign called Tip Your Cap to the Negro Leagues. And it started off as an act of desperation when the pandemic wiped out so much of our 100-year anniversary celebration. And so after wallowing in self-pity for a few weeks, I came up with this idea that we could do a virtual tip your cap to the Negro Leagues and maybe we could get a few dignitaries, few athletes and other notables to take a video or a picture of themselves tipping their cap. For those of you who understand our game, there's no greater honor 
that a ball player can do than just simply tipping their cap. Well, I called Joe. I said, Joe, I got this idea to do this virtual campaign. I'm waiting for him to tell me, Bob, that's a crazy idea. We don't have enough time to do that. Yep. He didn't say that. He thought it was a great idea. He reached out to his business partner, Dan McGinn, yep. a tremendous communication strategist in D.C., and he thought it was a great idea. And the three of us went to work. Yeah, well, the craziest part was when, I, when you called me, we were like, hey, you know, if we could just get some people to send in some, some you know, videos of themselves tipping their cap, photos of them tipping their cap, and we called uh, Dan, my friend Dan, and Dan said, well, I think that's a great idea. Let's start off by getting Barack Obama, <laughs> George W. Bush, and uh, Bill Clinton. Let's see if we can start with three presidents. How about we do that? And you were, you were like, what? What are you talking? Like, I just was hoping to get a few people around the neighborhood to, to do it. And uh, we said that the, you know it's a great idea because we sent the request to President Obama, like as, as soon as we could, and the next day we heard that he wanted to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And he sent a fantastic video. And then President Bush, of course, who has the great baseball background, the funniest thing happened. I don't know how many people know this story. So we sent a request to President Bush, and President Bush sent us a video, and the video was literally three seconds long. <laughs> it was just him tipping his cap. That was it. It was just him looking. He was, he was by the beach. He tipped his cap. Doesn't say a word, nothing. And we're like, oh, okay. And then President Obama sends us a 60-second video about life and American giants. And, you know, <laughs> and we called back President Bush and said, I don't think your video's going to do it. I, 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 we don't want But it was incredible. And then one I'm like, oh, that, that's not as good, a video. Um, but it was incredible. And then once we started, once we get the presidents and, and then – Everybody. I mean, it was it was a it was incredible. I mean, it hit. I think we last we saw it, it, it reached 400 million people. Yeah, it's know. been a, it, it was absolutely incredible. And, and Kevin Battle mentioned how we were able to pull ourselves from the depths of a pandemic. And at some point, you realize you have to embody that resilient spirit that governed the Negro Leagues. And what Joe failed to mention. When we launched that campaign, we launched it with four U.S. presidents yep. tipping their cap. President Obama, President Bush, President Clinton, and President Carter sent a photograph. Sent a photograph. He was so ill that he couldn't necessarily do the video, but he sent a photograph. The late, great General Colin Powell, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Billie Jean King, Bob Costa, Stephen Colbert, Conan O'Brien, The Temptations, sent a video. And, of course, my friend Tony Clark Tony. and other Major League Baseball athletes yes. also participated well, in the all, campaign. All the – everybody. Henry Aaron sent a yes. – I mean, it was unbelievable. But if, I thought your favorite one was when the world's sexiest man, Paul Rudd, sent Paul Rudd, video. Paul Rudd. He, he stole my title. He stole <laughs> – so I think people messed that up. It was supposed to be me. But Paul Rudd, I mean, if you're going to lose somebody. If you're going to lose, he's a nice guy. So Paul you're going to lose to but somebody. But you know, the thing that I think was exciting to me was when we literally all went into outer space 
and got a tip of the cap from astronaut Chris Cassidy, yes. who was aboard the International Space Station. Yes, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty special. The campaign was pretty special. And we've been rolling. The, the momentum has been great ever since. And of course, it has led us to this moment in time where we now celebrate Buck O'Neill. And you know, every time Buck met someone, yes. the first question he asked him, What's your greatest day in baseball? What is your greatest day what in baseball? What is your greatest day in baseball? And he wanted to know. Every time he met someone, he wanted to know what was your greatest day in baseball. And Buck's greatest day is one that is really tough to top. Yeah. Take a look at this. Easter Sunday, 1943 in Memphis, Tennessee, we opened the season. This is, this is uh, I'm with the Monarchs, you know. Oh, okay. And uh, first time up, I double. Next time up, I single. Next time up, I hit the ball over the left field fence. The next time I hit it to left center. Looked like it was going out the ballpark, and I'm going to first hollering, hit the fence, hit the fence, hit the fence. It hit the fence, bounced back between the center fielder and the left fielder. I get the third, Frank Duncan, the manager, he's coaching. He called me, I can get an inside the park home run. But I stopped at third, I wanted that triple. I hit for the cycle that day. That evening, I'm at resting in the hotel, I'm relaxing, and William Dismuke, who was our traveling secretary, he was downstairs having dinner. Called us downstairs, Buck, come downstairs, I got some people I want you to meet. Okay, the man that ran the restaurant in the hotel, his wife was a school teacher, and she had invited some young school teachers over to meet the ball players. I get downstairs, these teachers were sitting right in front of the door. I walk straight to a young lady, I say, my name is Buck O'Neill. We were married for 51 years. <laughs> so I had a great day there. Hit for the cycle and met my future wife. <laughs> That's a pretty good day. So, so, I, so I have to say this. So. Uh, for those of you who did read The Soul of Baseball, uh, my first book and, and obviously the, the, my favorite, uh, we traveled the country together, uh, all of us. Bob, Buck, and I traveled the country for an entire summer. It was an extraordinary experience. However, the first trip we made uh, was a drive to Nicodemus, <laughs> Kansas. <laughs> Thank you. Um, which was also the only trip that Bob didn't make on the trip. <laughs> Bob, Bob was like, you guys enjoy that Nicodemus drive. So, <laughs> so that, that drive is, I, I, I'm estimating, 46 hours. And we're, we're in the car, and we were driving, and Buck said to me, and this was our very first trip, and Buck said, what's well, your greatest day in baseball? And I told him, uh, I said, oh, I, you know, I have so many, but I would probably say playing catch with my dad in the backyard and, and you know, just I, I can think of a day and Buck said, oh, that's beautiful. And then Buck told that story in the, uh, the day that he hit for the cycle and, and met, met his, his wife. wife for 50 years. And I went, you know, your day's better than mine. <laughs> and he said, no, no. He said, everybody's greatest day is, is better. He's yeah. like, he's like, it doesn't matter what it is if it's your greatest day in baseball. I mean, he... He believed that, and he would go up to anybody. Just be, we'd be walking down the street. You and I, we'd be walking down the street in Washington or in Chicago or San Diego, and he'd see somebody wearing a baseball cap, and he'd go up to him and say, what was your greatest day in baseball? And, and it was just how he, he connected with people. Yeah, no, to be around Buck, was it was absolutely magic. Everywhere we went, and, and real quickly, before we bring up our first guest, one of my favorite memories, and I told the story this morning when we were together for breakfast, and we're in Washington, D.C., and Buck had just finished an interview, and as Buck would typically do, he had stopped at the desk to pick at the receptionist and to hug the receptionist. Well, in walks Linda Carter, Congressman. 
Yes, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman walks in. Wonder Woman. And, 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 and Wonder Woman didn't know who Buck was. Right. And Buck didn't know who Wonder Woman was. <laughs> but they engage in a conversation. And then all of a sudden, here was Wonder Woman jumping in the arms of Buck O'Neill <laughs> as if they had known each other all of their lives. The man absolutely never met a stranger. And that, I don't know, that, that air, that positivity, that everything that he exuded, it just rubbed off on you. If he didn't know you, he wanted to know you. Well, my favorite part of that story was Linda Carter walks in and Bob goes, first Bob and I are like, oh, it's Linda Carter. Linda Carter. And, and then Bob goes over to Buck and says, Buck, that's Wonder Woman. And Buck goes, looks like she's very, Wonder Woman? Like he was like, like yeah, she's, she looks like she's very special, but you know, like he, he had no idea what he was talking. And I don't think he ever knew what, I don't think he ever understood what was going on. But yeah, at, at, like within seconds, she was already like, telling him stories about baseball and how much he loved it. and and uh, But that's just Buck brought that out of everybody. Yeah, he did. Everybody. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Help continue the legacy of Hall of Famer Buck O'Neill by visiting thanksamillionbuck.com. With one million donations of just a single buck or more, the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum can move closer to completion of the Buck O'Neill Education and Research Center on the historic site of the Paseo YMCA, where the Negro Leagues were born in 1920. We'll teach not only the stories of Negro Leagues baseball, but also math and science through the lens of baseball history in the spirit of baseball's greatest ambassador, Buck O'Neill. Log on to thanksamillionbuck.com and donate today. Every buck counts. Well, we're going to get this thing moving, and it's my pleasure to welcome someone who is a dear, dear friend of this museum. He had been as a ball player, outstanding ball player, had a tremendous major league career. He is now the executive director of the Major League Baseball Players Association, and he is really responsible for the partnership that this museum has with PA. And we're so excited to announce tonight that Tony Clark has accepted a role as a board member of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. Through a formal partnership that we have with Major League Baseball's Players Association that I think is going to really help drive this museum into the future. So Kansas City, please join me in welcoming the Executive Director of Major League Baseball's Players Association, Mr. Tony Clark. What's up, Tony? Talk to me. Talk to me. How you doing, brother? I'm good. I'm happy to be here. Man, we're so thrilled to have you back in Kansas City. You know, this is home for you. Yeah. I hope you feel like it's home for you. And based on the conversation, the many conversations that you and I have had, and, you know, you embraced me the moment you took on that role at PA, and it's a tremendous role and responsibility that you have, yet somehow or another, you found time enough 
to accept phone calls from me. And we had some great conversations that led to Major League Baseball and PA's first joint $1 million contribution to the museum. We've since received a second $1 million contribution from MLB and MLBPA. And we think it's just, again, the beginning of an amazing relationship. But it was really driven by this man, Mr. Tony Clark. So, man, it's great to have you back in Kansas City. Thank you, dude. And I guess my first question is, your first impression of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum when you got to experience it? I turned into a kid very quickly. Uh, it's probably the best way of putting it. You know, for me, from a professional standpoint, my responsibility is to reflect and represent our, our members, our players. But the museum is personal to me as well. Uh, and as a, as a player having an opportunity to, to play in the big leagues and play professional baseball, um, I needed to understand and appreciate why I had, that, I had that opportunity. There are a lot of folks that laid the groundwork. There are a lot of folks in here that you're gonna hear from later that breathed into me as a, as a ball player and a, and a young black man in our game in a way that set the stage for everything that happened to me once I entered the game. Uh, and the museum is a, a, a foundational piece for me, again, on a, prof uh, a professional level and on a personal level, um, such that it's imperative that that story, our history, uh, be told uh, moving forward in a way that makes sure that it's never lost. Now, did you ever get a chance to meet Buck O'Neill? Did you have an opportunity to, to spend any time with Buck? I, any time, no, unfortunately. I had an opportunity when we came through KC. He's a first baseman. I was a first baseman. Um, there's a bit of a first base fraternity, although I don't belong in his fraternity uh, as much as he had a first base glove and I had a first base glove. So that was the fraternity. That we, no, I had a chance to talk to him very briefly uh, on the field before uh, one of the games. And uh, as I think somebody mentioned earlier, uh, when you, you, you spend as much time learning the game and learning the history and, and, and learning about one Mr. Buck O'Neill, you feel as if you know him, even if you only spent a few moments with him. So I had an opportunity to shake his hand uh, and was, was honored and privileged to just do that. I, I want to ask you a question that, that I know Buck would ask. Because one of the things that Buck taught, thought about all the time was he wanted this game to be played mm in the urban areas. He wanted this game to be played in, you know, by African-Americans and, and, and was worried as, as time gone on, as, as I know you have been, right. as many people have been. We just finished a World Series uh, where it was the first World Series since 1950, mm -hmm. right, that had mm -hmm. not have an African-American player in it. And there are clearly big strides being made in other places. But I'm curious what you think about the state at this moment of, of this and what is your view of the future of, of getting more African-Americans playing uh, in the major leagues? Well, it was disheartening for that to happen. Um, but it was a telltale, unfortunately, of, of everything that's transpired over the last 15, 20, 25 years in our, our game. Obviously, there are a lot of folks who are very passionate and committed to our game. But this change didn't happen overnight. And one of the things that, that truly drove me to, to want to talk to Bob and to talk about the Negro League Museum was the opportunity to, to, to make sure that our stories and our history was a part of the conversation because our game was missing it. Um, and so I, I honestly believe that there was a way to interject that into the bloodstream along with a number of other things that we don't have time to go into tonight, that there would be an opportunity to engage a new, new generation of, of ball player. And personally for me, 
I didn't know what I didn't know as a young ball player. And it wasn't until I went to the Hall of Fame and had a chance to walk the halls and, and spend hours learning about the Negro Leagues. And Pride and Passion was what it was called back mm -hmm. then, do what I did. Mm -hmm. um, and, and appreciate why I had the opportunity that I had to do what I did. Uh, and then moving forward, uh, you're going to hear later from from Kenny Lofton and, and Lee Smith and, and Joe Carter and, and uh, Dave Stewart, guys that that paved the way for me to do what I did as a ball player. And it was, it was learning that history and appreciating that I had a responsibility then to make sure that those that came behind me had the same opportunity. And so when you, you go to the World Series and, and you don't see a, a black ball player on either team, it's disheartening. It doesn't mean that the work stops. It means that the work needs to continue because I do believe we have some fantastic people who are engaged in our game um, that are looking to provide support and opportunity uh, to the next generation. But if our stories aren't a part of that conversation, if the style of play isn't a part of that conversation, and we can talk about the game and any number of things that, that are, are probably worth a, a stiff drink and a, and, a, and a conversation about, but unless or until that happens, the engagement of the next generation of kids is gonna be hit or miss. Um, and our game is so entrenched uh, in our history and, and is so engaging and so important uh, that I truly hope that there are some things that we can do moving forward. Uh, uh, things that we've done have been great, things that we can do moving forward uh, to engage that next generation so that uh, uh, there is truly an opportunity for the young people to make whatever decision they wanna make because there is an opportunity yeah. for them to play the game. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think that's what we talk about. And, and, and again, it's so easy to harp on the problem. We all know right. what the problem is. But what I love is that we are working collaboratively to try and create a solution. And you just touched on it. This didn't happen overnight, and the fix won't happen right. overnight. We are not, as a society, a patient society. We are a microwave society. We want everything instantly. But as I told a reporter when we talked about this whole thing about there not being any African Americans in the World Series, I'm from Georgia. And, and Congressman, I like my grits cooked slow. <laughs> I, I don't want instant grits. Yeah, no, no, so it's gonna take a little bit of time, but I've been blessed to go down to Vero Beach, Florida mm -hmm. over the last several years. And the work that PA, MLB, US baseball is doing, it is starting to pay dividends. I've seen some extraordinarily gifted young African-American ball players coming through those elite camps. Right. And we saw this year, four of the top five draft picks in, in Major League Baseball's draft right we're African-American kids. So the work is starting to pay. That doesn't mean we still have a lot of work to do. But what I also love is that you personally have embraced the history of the Negro Leagues as a way to create greater interest in our game. The Negro Leagues are who we are. The Negro Leagues are who I am. As the next generation of young black ball players comes into the conversation, they need to see that the Negro Leagues in our history is who they are. And I think in, in doing so, they'll, they'll, they'll be excited about who they can be in our game. Yeah. Y'all, we could go on forever about this conversation. Man, Tony, I can't tell you, and I know I speak on behalf of our entire board of directors, how honored we are to have you as a member of our board. 
to be part, front and center of helping guide this museum into the future. And I look forward to continuing to work with you and the entire PA family on advancing our game in the spirit of the Negro Leagues and, and making it available to every kid who wants to play this game. Congratulations on the work that you have done in partnership with MLB to keep our sport alive and growing and flourishing. We appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for being here. Y'all give it up Thank for Mr. Be. Tony Clark. Serious XM Podcasts.